0: Talk FX, where we promise to keep the conversation honest and real for our Fragile X community. We are a group of moms of Fragile X children, self-advocates, and full mutation carriers from Washington, Idaho, and Oregon all on a mission to share our stories and experiences in the hopes of reaching more Fragile X families and creating more awareness of Fragile X Syndrome. So with that in mind, let's jump right in to this week's episode of Talk FX. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Talk FX. On today's episode, we have Dave Bjork, Director of Community Relations at Fraxa Research Foundation. Thanks for being with us, Dave.
1: Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, let's just jump right into it.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for, again, thanks for having me. And and I really wanted to... to Bring you all up to speed on what's happening at at Fraxa, and get a little 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 background for those who, you know, may not be super familiar with Fraxa, but uh, kind of take it from really kind of how it all started, and just very briefly, and then you know where where are we at now in terms of of our mission and the Fraxa mission. Uh, quite simply, is to is to find effective treatments and ultimately a cure for fragile X. So. What that means is, all of the money that um, that we invest goes into research. So all the money that we raise is is for the purpose of investing in research. And it really started, you know, started in 1994 with a few parents um, who got together with had their kids with Fragile X, and of course in the early days there was really not much uh, going on in terms of research and Fragile X, and so um, that really became this this drive of the of the original founders, including Mike Trent Valley and Katie Clapp. And over the course of those years since then, Frax has invested about, well, over $28 million um, directly into Fragile X research. And historically, the research that FRAXA focused on was, I guess what we'd call, you know, basic fundamental research, which was, was done through uh, research grants Oftentimes, you know, to a principal investigator's laboratory at MIT or at the University of Cincinnati or uh, or wherever, and to support a postdoc, a postdoctoral fellow that would um, have a specific project uh, that they wanted to work on. And so, and the way that would work, we would put out requests for proposals, and then we would have these labs uh, respond um, with proposals of, you know interesting ideas that they had around fragile X. And then we would vet that through our um, scientific advisory board process to select which uh, grants we would end up funding. And we, we fund about a million dollars of research um, every year and that's used. So that represents roughly, you know, a, around 20 projects um, a year.
0: That's amazing. Mar-
1: yeah. Some of those are renewals like from, from, it might be a two year project um, and others are are you know new projects. So, and I think with my background in research, uh, my background is in cancer research. But my what I love about what Frazer does is that those grants, you know, oftentimes, many times, led to some kind of discovery that was able to be published, which then allowed that lab to apply for larger grants from the NIH. And so it's common, if you think of it kind of as a lever, it's like, if we, we invest $50,000 into this project, they have some really exciting uh, things that come out of that research, then they can apply to the NIH because you need that to apply for an NIH grant. And then they might get a million dollar grant. And so that's really exciting for, for Fragile X because it, again, brings more, more resources into, into the field. And then a lot of those postdocs would then go on to their to start their own labs. So now that they've established themselves, they're published, and now they can go, you know, from MIT to Stanford or somewhere else and and start their own labs. So, you know, Mark Baer is one of the researchers that we've funded for many years. His lab, we've we've sent several people from his lab that have have then gone on to have successful careers um, in Fragile X. So um over you know, over the course of time, you know, we've, we've really identified a lot of the, the pathways and biomarkers and, and phenotypes. uh, So, so targets in the brain that, you know, that have shown through early research show, um, so, so promise in that. So I think if you look at FRAXA, fast forward to now, it's really, it's like a, It's like a big engineering project, you know, so so we have we're still doing a lot of the the basic targeted research, you know, to continue to identify new pathways. But now we're trying to to how do we match those um, those those pathways that we've identified with potential treatments? So and there's a couple of different ways that I like to look at that. So one is, is what we would call um, repositioning. So we have a validation um, lab with Fragilex mice that we can actually take compounds, drug compounds that are preclinical. These are just the that, that people are working on and test them in our, it's called the Fraxa DVI, Drug Validation Initiative. And to see if if they match up against some of the targets and have any potential promise, and so so in other words, it might be a company or a, a lab that has a a drug that they might be studying for Alzheimer's or Huntington's or uh, Parkinson's or something else, but they may have read something that Fraxa published or one of our scientists published and said, "Hey, you know something? I think our Alzheimer's." compound might work in fragile x so they send it to our lab to validate it so that's really kind of exciting because it's it's the way that a lot of a lot of different people use that 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 facility um to test to test drugs that maybe weren't even originally thought to be uh something for fragile x so
0: right yeah
1: and then the second way is that was repositioning now we have something we called repurposing so repurposing is how do we how do we take or find how do we identify existing drugs that are fda approved that are being used for something else there's medicine that's being used like uh, metformin for example so metformin is a diabetes drug and but it has promise in fragile x so so Existing medications that might have, um, you know, off, off-label kind of impact on X. So we partnered with a company, a biotech company called Helix, which is a company in in um, England, and they use machine learning, artificial intelligence to, to sort through thousands and thousands of different drugs, uh, based on working with Fraxa, to see. Are there any drugs out there that we don't even know about? And through that process, we identified um, eight compounds that were that were hits. That's really wow. cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, and so now the next step with 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 Helix is to um, look at combinations because we really think that it's going to require some combination of drugs. That's not, not going to be one drug. And so we're we're, we're identifying. Potential combinations, and then the next step is to um, move them into um, clinical trials. And so, clinical trials really sort of the next the next step in the in the engineering project, right? So, yeah, we've identified uh, the pathways, the targets. We're trying to match them up with with potential treatments. Well, now we've got to test them, right? We now have to do clinical trials to actually. Move them, so we're really kind of moving this project along to, to try to get them uh, um, into patients. So um, there's there are, there are several um, clinical trials that, that Fraxa is actually um, invested in or supported financially, um, and some that are going on right now that that I think are interesting. Um, there's one at uh, Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Um, with um, uh, Craig Erickson and some of his colleagues and they're testing. What we're really trying to do is we're trying to find um, objective outcome measures because these are smaller trials. So in other words, to get a clinical trial, a a large clinical trial to be successful, you really have to have really solid measurement, objective measures like EEG or eye movements and things like that because the subjective measurements are really hard. It's like, well, yeah, my son seemed to he seemed to be better, or he he his his anxiety seemed to be reduced. Well, there's really no measure. So we really were trying to work with smaller trials to identify what kinds of measurements we could use to then go to um, further other other larger trials. We have another one at uh, Boston Children's Hospital. It's the same thing. The, the child; these are young children. They were they put a a cap on and they they watch these these videos that have sounds and and they they measure they track the eyes. They have a camera and they actually track the eye movement. Um, so we did a trial with um, Elizabeth Barry Cravis um, in Chicago with a, a partnership with a biotech company called. Um, tetra uh, therapeutics 30 patient trial again it was again we're just trying to like identify the safety this is a phase two trial and that that actually um, that particular medication um, has really um, high promise Um, in fact just two days ago the news came out that tetra therapeutics um, got bought by a japanese company called shinogi and so a big pharma company. So the cool thing is now we have this company from Grand Rapids, Michigan, who we've been supporting and partnering with, and we, we helped fund this trial with Elizabeth Barry Kravis. And because of that work, this, it helped get this company get acquired by a very large um, biotech, pharmaceutical company, which could end up being like a $500 million um, uh, investment so wow. isn't that cool? Yeah. So.
0: So cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, and I and I guess that the the um, the other uh, the third area in the in, so this engineering project is that we still have our eye on on the cure. Right. And so what is, everyone's like, well, what does a cure mean? And, you know, that's a whole another conversation because, you know, we don't really know. But right. we what what's we, we're investing in some research projects that are uh gene therapy, protein replacement, you know, gene reactivation. So, you know, can we reactivate the silent, you know, FMR uh one gene? Right. Uh, or we or can we get replace enough protein to have a measurable impact on um on those with Fragile X. Um, and then if people have heard of things like CRISPR, you know, it's the gene editing, gene repair uh, tools. And we we're, we have uh, a couple of projects like that. So, you know, those are, you know, we're still having, we're, while we're working on trying to find these effective treatments that, you know, will make the lives of of our families better, mm-hmm. we're also investing um, in some of these therapies, you know, like, like I said, like gene therapies and those, honestly, I think I'm not a scientist, but I, I talk with a lot of scientists Yeah. Um, in my, in my job. So um, there are a lot of scientists who really, the, the, the technology has moved so rapidly that it's actually, it's a lot more promising now than it, it, we we couldn't have said that 10 years ago, but you probably see things in the news, you know, talk people talking about CRISPR and how CRISPR is being used for this or that. And um, I mean, it's probably still a long ways away, but yet it's evolving very rapidly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think we're, we're, as part of this engineering project is really, we're not putting all of our, our eggs in one basket. We're not putting everything into one particular project, which is why we've had the strategy of, of investing in a lot of different projects, you know?
0: Right.
1: So that makes sense. Yeah, of yeah. course. And I think the the last thing that you know I, I like to 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 let, um, you know, families and and friends of uh, of all of us in the fragilex community is. And I've been I've been working in the biotech and farm industry for a very long time. My background, the work that Frax is doing behind the scenes in partnering with biotech companies is fascinating to me. And it's really, it's really cool. It's really important because, um, you know, Mike Trent Valley, our chief science officer, he's, he's well known and well published in the fragile X world, you know, in, in major pub- peer reviewed uh, publications. And so we get co- companies to contact, a lot of them are confidential. They're um, even some big companies that are confidential that we can't, we can't really talk about what they're, what they're looking at, but they're they come to us for you know the 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 knowledge we have the knowledge we have 25 years of scientific knowledge with a stable of amazing researchers that we've worked with you know so so companies small companies and large companies but many of them companies you've probably never heard of who have started companies and they they have an interest in fragile X and they And they're working with us, and we provide that sort of knowledge with them. We kind of help them, and with some of the others, we help with what kind of how would you set up a clinical trial? what would you you know kind of advising and consulting with them um, on that? so it's really and there's probably 25 or thirty companies um, that are actively uh, that Mike talks with actively, and that's really where he spends his time. he's on the phone all the time with with people, so Wow. And I think that's cool because, you know, it's like the, you know, the basic research, you have NH research, you have, you know, companies that are involved, but now you have potential, you know, companies that are bringing, are coming into the field of Fragile X. And as a rare disease, I think it's, a lot of people think, well, there's no companies that want to get involved with Fragile X because there's no money in it or whatever, because it's a small population, right? You'd you, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd rather go after Alzheimer's because that's like the home run; of so many potential patients. But right, I think I think there's a lot of interest in um, in fragile X, and 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 a lot of the scientists that I talk to thinking about because fragile X is the most common inherited known cause of autism and learning disabilities, which we know. Because of that, that that's an interest to. Uh, to scientists and some potential companies, uh, because we believe, and we, we talk about this, and I'm sure you've heard this, that, you know, if, it's, if, if we find something, some breakthrough in fragile acts could have significant implications across the autism spectrum.
0: Exactly.
1: Right? So we've tried to make that connection so that people understand that. And a lot of people do, which is really, is really good for, for our community. Yes. Yeah, you know.
0: it's important well, for for people to understand that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for awareness. I mean, I know, you know, often in all of our lives, we we mention fragile X, and a lot of people that we encountered, you know, maybe have never heard of fragile X, but then you tell them that it's the most common inherited cause of autism, and they're like, "Oh, really?" But in the scientific community there's a lot of that knowledge. That's the good, that's the good thing. Right. So Mm -hmm. I, I work in the stuff that I work on, like the biotech games and some other stuff is to, to continue to increase the awareness within the scientific world. You know, that's the, the basic labs at, at MIT and, and, um, university of Michigan and UCLA and university of Washington. And, um, and really the, the, the whole ecosystem of, of investment companies, you know, venture capital companies, uh, biotech companies, um, large pharma companies that, that, you know, might have an interest in, in a rare disease or have something going on, you know, like, like Pfizer. I, you know, I've met this guy from Pfizer and <laughs> so I was getting people to come to my, my, my event called the biotech games. And, and they said, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. And sure enough, there was this, there was this young man in the, in the Pfizer Center for Therapeutic Innovation. And they have a rare disease group within this innovation center. And there was a guy that when I talked to him, he was like, oh, I know Frax. So you guys funded the lab that I worked in in Europe. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's just so cool. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, that's so could, awesome well, as you can tell, I'm an optimistic person. I'm really trying to to really um share what I've seen you know in the three years that i've been you know been here at Fraxa
0: yeah, uh, that's amazing yeah well, I really appreciate everything you've shared uh about Fraxa and just uh the background and just the successes you guys have had um and just where you guys are today and your focus is. Um, I'm so excited for how that's going to really uh, impact the Fragile X community and the people that, you know, listen to this episode, for sure. Um, was there anything else that you would like to share about uh, Fraxa or otherwise that you think would be valuable to uh, those that listen?
1: Um, I think the only thing that I, I probably just want to leave people with is that um, I think that, you know, it's been, you know, 25 or whatever, I mean, almost 30 years, you know, since we, we kind of, dis- since the, the the gene was discovered. Right. And it's like, so where are we? Are we ever going to get there? You know? And I feel like, I feel like because of technology moving more rapidly and because of a lot of the investment and a lot of the basic research happened, you know, not just from Fraxa, but also from the NIH, you know. So I think that there's, there's a lot more optimism, I think, now about some of the things that um, are in the, you know, in the process. You know, that, that medication that I mentioned with Tetra Therapeutics, you know, there's a, I mean, they're, they're studying, their company is also for Alzheimer's, but there's a reason why, you know, a big Japanese pharmaceutical company purchased that company. You know right. I think there's some very good promise in that in that medicine, so I think I think there's there's reason for hope
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Dave. I very much appreciate your time and sharing about Fraxa Research Foundation, and we're so excited for everyone to listen to this episode and just be encouraged by all of the progress being made
1: well thank you very much Nicole it really it was a pleasure it's great to meet you and it's a pleasure to, to be with you
0: thank you so much